Oh, yeah, absolutely. There are other disabled travelers that are doing somewhat the same thing. Uh, other people that have put together, um, I'm not sure I've seen a travel agency that has done this, uh, but there's other independent uh, disabled travelers that are doing something of, along the lines of the same thing. Um, I'm yet to find anyone like myself, though, that does it uh, the way I do it, as well as being adventurous as I do it. I've, I've even gotten emails from other disabled travelers that was like, hey, man, I travel and I've been to 40 countries, but I've never done the things you do. Like, <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing all like, so you're trying to go jet skiing? Yep. Parasail? Yep. Skydiving? Yep. I'm, I was like, my mom told me, son, you know that you can't walk, right? <laughs> like, yep, doesn't matter. I'll do it. Yeah. Welcome to Wise and Wine. A play on the phrase, rise and shine. Now look here, folks. I've had five jobs in the last two years, and that shit just ain't normal. Or is it? No, no, it's not. So I'm turning to diverse people who inspire me both professionally and personally with careers that didn't exactly start at point A and end at point B. We'll explore how their families, their cultures, and their communities impacted their career decisions, as well as the exact moment they decided to pursue their passions, even if that passion wasn't a direct path to a pension or a 401k. Hopefully, I'll come away knowing how they became the badass, the confident, the strategic people that I admire. And if I don't come out of this project a little wiser, well, at least I'll enjoy the boozy wine ride. You guys know that Scuba Steve and I have relocated and are currently living in Costa Rica. What you may not know is that the small vacation town that we live in, um, not all of the streets are paved. There's a street that's directly outside of our apartment that is gravel and rocky. And, you know, our neighbor was kind enough to loan her us her golf cart, but it's a very bumpy ride on this unpaved road that has stones sticking up from under it. Um, our apartment is also on the third floor and it doesn't have an elevator. Um, our apartment is also a two-story apartment and there's no way other than stairs to get from one level to the second. Our first level doesn't have a bedroom. Both of the bedrooms are on the second floor and, you know, we're living our lives planning to travel the world. And one thing that we don't have to think about, one privilege that we have is that we don't have to worry about accessibility. If one of us were in a wheelchair, could how would we get to our apartment <laughs> with no elevator? How would we get to our bedroom with no elevator? How would we maneuver this unpaved road that's directly outside of our apartment? And so accessibility in travel is something that, that I've been thinking about for a while. And our guest today, Fletcher Cleves, will talk to us about that and his experience. But yeah, for some people traveling is a privilege and for some, for some people it's not like Fletcher travels because he is um, part of his life. He is a professional speaker. So he has to travel for that. And 
that's not always a, a privilege for him to consider what airline he's going to be in, what um, hotel is the hotel wheelchair accessible, but also he travels for fun internationally on his own time. But that's also a concern for him is does the bed, you know, when a hotel says the, the room is wheelchair accessible, do they think about the bed frame and do they think about as somebody that has to get from a wheelchair to the bed if the bed frame protrudes then that's going to make that more difficult for somebody like fletcher who's in a wheelchair um and and so yeah i just started thinking about accessibility and he's going to talk to us about that and his journey why he ended up in a wheelchair in the first place but then i started looking at some information as i started considering um the different challenges or or what it's like for fletcher to travel and i ran across an article about um a woman named Ingresia Figueroa, who in 2021, United Airlines damaged her 3000 excuse me, her $30,000 customized wheelchair. Um, Ingresia is a disability rights advocate. She was traveling from LA to Washington. It was like a five-hour flight. Um, and her chair was specifically designed to support her injured spinal cord, and she ultimately died from complications resulting from a loner chair that they gave her, according to the Hand in Hand, a domestic workers organization that Ms. Figueroa supported. Um, airlines say that transporting motorized wheelchairs is much more difficult than moving baggage because gates and planes aren't made to accommodate heavy, fragile equipment and chairs aren't made for air travel. You know, sometimes they've got the, the hand controls that don't collapse and often those things that protrude get broken. You know, in 2019, airlines carried nearly 686,000 wheelchairs and scooters, and 10,584 of those were mishandled. And that's about a rate of about 1.5%, which may seem small to you unless this was your chair and your wheels and your legs and your way to get around. Um, so those rates are about three times higher than regular baggage mishandling, and still the airlines are likely to underestimate the frequency of damage to heavy power chairs. You know, collapsible manual chairs rarely get damaged because, you know, they're collapsible and they don't have special equipment and they're not heavy. Um, so yeah, things like this really make thinking about accessibility and travel an important conversation. So please, listening to my guest today talking about his injury how he puts optimism before anything else how he remains positive even when, when things get frustrating and challenging and then also how he is now an advocate for accessibility and traveling so listen in to my guest fletcher cleves all right, Fletcher, welcome to Wise and Wine. What are you drinking today? Today I'm a drink. I'm drinking water currently, but you know, tonight I might dip and dab it a little tequila. <laughs> What's your brand of choice? Uh, my brand of tequila. Hmm, I'm really so. I had some tequila for the first time. It's on the West Coast. My friend's doctor, 
I can't remember the name. She actually had it for the first time last night. We were watching the Memphis Grizzlies and Golden State game. And she said, I got you, I got you a shot of Dr. Something. It was pretty, it was pretty, said, uh, it had a different taste. But me personally, I like Epsilon, um, traditional tequilas, you know, Patron. Uh, I try, try not to veer too much into the authentic tequilas because they get a little too strong for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was in Mexico and did one of those uh, tequila tastings and I was like, oh, I'm not uh, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm not good. I'm not built like this. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you were rooting for the for the Grizzlies. So because you were I assume because you were born and raised in Memphis, how they do. Absolutely. They, they represent they won well. last night. They won All last right, night. It was a blowout. So that's good. But okay. uh, with, we're still behind in the series. Well, born and raised in Memphis, um, what career did you envision for yourself as a child and kind of how was that in, that vision influenced by your family, just by Memphis in general, all that good stuff? Um, as a child, I always thought I was going to be an athlete, you know, just loving outdoors and being from the South, just playing outdoors all day, every day, coming from school, throwing the backpack down, putting your play clothes on and going straight outside. Uh, so I always see myself being an athlete or some type of active adventure uh, type deal. But, you know, things change and uh, I'm on a different path. All right. Well, you did complete your degree in computer science. And as a former academic advisor of computer science majors, I found that the majority of my students were really like eager to design videos or work for for high, high profile companies like Facebook or Google, or Amazon. So what drew you to that major and kind of what's your dream job in that industry now that you've completed that major? Um, so like uh, I, I, this quote one time I read, or maybe it was on Instagram or something like that, when people say, uh, what's your dream job? And the, the lady, her voice was like, uh, I have no dream job. I do not dream of labor. <laughs> um, but it's to answer your question, uh, I, I kind of looked up in computer science, actually, when my car crash happened, you know, unfortunately, I, uh, my physical abilities were taken away from me and I had to find something new. And luckily enough that I took my education seriously and I was able to re-enroll at University of Memphis with an academic scholarship. So I go to my advisor and she's like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, man, look here. I just was in a car crash a year ago. I thought I was going to be an engineer, but turns out, you know, I can't do that anymore. And so I don't know. And she was like, well, what do you like to do? I was like, mm, I mean, I, I like math. She was like, okay, do you like computers? I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, it's interesting. She was like, how about computer science? I literally had no idea what that was. Uh, I thought about being a doctor. Um, and I wanted to be a radiologist, so I knew ra uh, radiology, you know, they're on the computers all day and looking at x-rays, MRIs, CAT scans, things of that nature. So I'm like, okay, cool, computer science, com science and computers, I'm, I'm going to do radiology, I'm going to be on computers anyway, so I was putting two, two together, two plus two makes four, which is what I thought. <laughs> so I get in the computer science world and major, and they start talking about coding and uh, autonomous machines and all this stuff. I'm like, what, what, this has nothing to do with what I want to do. What is this? And, you know, so I looked into it and uh, I kind of started doing it and start learning. I'm like, well, maybe next semester I'll start getting to it. Nope. Next semester, turn, you know, then I go to my advisor and we're like deep down in coding and learning like Java coding and, and SQL and HTML. And I go to her and I was like, you know what? I really don't want to be a developer. And this is super developer based. Like it's extremely developer based. And she was like, well, you know, you graduate next semester. I was like, <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm developing. Uh, so I did that. And, you know, I got a job, like you said, at a company doing it. But I didn't I knew I didn't want to be a developer. So I got into QA and testing. And that's what I currently do now. 
Okay. QA intestine. So I think for the for the lay person that's not familiar with with, with QA and testing, what it, what exactly does a QA and tester yeah. do on a day-to-day uh, QA, basis? QA or QE stands for quality assurance or quality engineering. So the developer writes the code and the business def- uh, provides the requirements. And I just test the uh, the software to make sure it does what it's supposed to do. Like for instance, if you get on AutoZone.com, uh, we do like a load testing or stress testing to see if we're having a sale and the system has 100,000 users at once. Since we're not gonna crash because there's too many people trying to access the server at one time. So that's, you know, different type of tests like that, putting stress on the system to see what's the max amount of users it can take or making sure that if you click on an alternator, a battery doesn't show up and all, you know, all that stuff like that. Gotcha, okay, okay. And- Somebody test that stuff before you see it. I know, and, and you know, and it always seems to still break. So I don't know who we blame after that. So I'm just gonna look oh, over it's here. Always QA's fault. <laughs> always anytime anything breaks it's always qa's fault it's like you were supposed to test this exactly that's what the whole the whole the whole not the whole country the whole company is like why didn't qa test this well we you know it's only 10 people we can't test every single thing that goes out into you know yep yep that's so funny so uh you are a proud member of omega sci-fi what mm-hmm. did you take from your fraternity that informs your personal and your career decisions at this point uh, absolutely. The cardinal principles, you know, manhood, scholarship, perseverance, and uplift, uh, that definitely stuck with me and what made me want to join the fraternity. And uh, it just definitely helps me mold my future and the things I'm doing today. Uh, if you think about manhood, it, it comes, you know, what does it mean to be a man? And, you know, we all want to be an adult, but sometimes it takes to separate the man from the boys to not only want to be an adult, but act like an adult. So um, that's what I see, consider manhood, just doing what needs to be done, even when you don't want to do it. And uh, scholarship, of course, that speaks for itself when it comes to education and understanding that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, my physical body failed me at 18 years old when I began in a car crash. But luckily enough, I had the scholarship and the mindset to continue education and continue to get a, a degree in computer science. And uh, uplift, um, you know, just going through the cardinal principles, just uplifting my community and trying to better myself. Uh, I don't know if you follow me on social media. I try to uplift my community, especially the disabled community, and uh, let them know that you know having a disability is not the all in say all, all in say in of your life. You know there are so many different aspects you can continuously do, so many goals you can accomplish, so many things you can achieve. It doesn't have to be just okay. Now I'm in a wheelchair. This sucks. Uh, feels don't feel sorry for me or whatever the case may be. And uh, perseverance is just um, the the definition of it. Just whatever life throws at you, you have to uh, grab the bulls by the horn and just keep going, you know? Uh, Crappy stuff happens to everybody, but it's not what happens to you that defines you, it's how you respond to it. Love it. Yeah. And you did reference your accident. Um, Mm -hmm. So I will let you share that story. But I'm sure that one of the biggest lessons you've learned from your accidents is that plans and life changes. So what were the steps from working on your recovery to launching your business as a speaker and spokesperson and on campaigns like AT&T's It Can Wait? Yes. Um, So for those who may not know this listening, I was in a car crash September 10th, 2009 where a distracted driver uh, ran me off the road and caused me to flip into, an adi- flip into a ditch and we rolled uh, a couple numerous times. I ended up breaking my neck in two places during the car crash. So that's why I'm in a wheelchair today. 
So I know I had these, all these goals and things I wanted to accomplish and achieve, but I had to first get my physical health in order and learn how to do daily activities. So I did a year of intense therapy, learning how to rebrush my teeth, learning how to get myself dressed, relearning how to, you know, breathe on my own and stuff like that, that, you know, we take for granted every day. And so once I got that down, then I had to continuously set out a goal, set out a plan to accomplish all the things I wanted to do. And I know I wanted to inspire others and I know I wanted to be a productive citizen of the community. As people say, I didn't want to just lay on my back and sit at home all day and watch the grass grow, being a disabled person, uh, collecting a disability check. That wasn't my personality. That's not who Fletcher is. And I couldn't just see myself like it. Like I, even when I was in therapy, you know, and we only had therapy Monday through Friday and just Saturday and Sunday, I really didn't have anything to do because uh, I was currently in Atlanta, Georgia, at the Shepherd Center. So I was just Saturday and Sunday, just sit outside and I'm like, this is boring. Like, I can't, I can't do this. No, 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 I can't do this. I'm 19 years old. I need something to do. Uh, so that, that forced me to go back to school or not forced, but encouraged me and uh, made me go back to school. So that whole process and then getting involved with AT&T. Um, I became a speaker and I was going to these different high schools and speaking and telling my testimony about overcoming adversity and safe driving. And just so happened, AT, uh, AT&T representative was in the crowd when I was talking about distracted driving. And he was like, man, I love your story. The kids were really involved. Uh, I'm going to write your name down and we'll do some work in the future. And of course, you know, you hear all these things. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, here's my name. Here's my number. Yeah, whatever. You call me, call me. Don't you don't really have high expectations. But lo and behold, like a year and a half, I haven't heard from the, the guy in like a year and a half. And I don't know where he calls me. It was like, Fletcher, he's a fast talking gentleman uh, from, from the South. And like, he he gets really excited. He's like, Fletcher, man, you're not gonna believe what I just got the phone with. I'm like, whoa, 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 slow down. What's going on? Man, I just got the phone with AT, uh, he was an ATT representative. He said, I just got the phone with ESPN and I were in a meeting and they said, hey, do you all know an uh, someone that's uh, affected by distracted driving, preferably an athlete. And I jumped up on that table and I said, I know the perfect guy, Fletcher Cleave. He's based out of Memphis, Tennessee. And I was just so excited. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm like, all right, what does this mean? Like, okay, thank you. I appreciate you telling me. Like, so what is like what's happening? Slow down. <laughs> it was like, man, Fletcher, they want to put you in a commercial, man. And I'm so excited. And and that's how I started. So once we did the commercial in 2015, and once that aired, everything kind of took off. All right. So in terms of your um did you travel much before you started doing kind of speaking engagements? And if not, how did you make that jump from general domestic traveling to international travel? Uh, no, I didn't travel much at all before, even during the speaking engagement, before the commercial aired, all of my speaking engagements were like local YMCA's, churches, high schools here and there. Nothing really out of my jurisdiction. And as far as leisurely travel, I definitely didn't do much of that before because my parents were my sole caregivers, so I couldn't really veer too far away from them. But uh, how it all started was my friends, you know, we were in college at the time, like I said, I was about 19, 20, 21. And you have this envision that, you know, spring break, you wanna go to P Panama Beach and hang out with your friends, but I couldn't do that because I couldn't leave my parents. So mm -hmm. my friends were like, hey, I think our senior year or junior year, I was like, hey, we've been to P PCB, like the our freshman, sophomore, junior year, you know, let's take spring break uh, and like do something where we can take flitch. So we went to Nashville, which is only three hours from Memphis, a three hour drive. Okay. And we left on a Friday and came back on a Sunday, literally like just the weekend. And that was my first time just like around just my peers without my parents. And I was able to just hang out and like be a college student. And it was about six of us. And we had a ball like just 
it, it was so much fun. So we did that once and then we did it again, like uh, six or seven months later. And then we went to New Orleans. It was like, okay, we did this. We can, what is it going to take for us and, you know, to get Fletch a little bit further? So we went to Mardi Gras, then we went to New Orleans, and that was fantastic. That was fun. And then we went to Dallas and Six Flags. And and after that, it was like, you know, we're doing all this driving. Like, hey, Fletch, you ever thought about getting on a plane? I was like, yeah, I mean, I've been on a plane before, but <laughs> I've never traveled, like, with a disability without my parents. Mm-hmm. So, okay. you know, we go through my parents try to teach them, okay, this is what you do. And I try to coach them through the situations and all that. Then we go to Vegas and then we go to Vegas again. And then after that, it was uh, like, on. Uh, then we end up going to like a lot of domestic cities. Like we went to Vegas three times. We went to Miami. This is over a course of like three or four years. And I looked at my financial report, you know, I keep my finances um, and I'm like, hey, I've been to Vegas three times this year. I'm wondering how much it costs to go to Italy, just out of curiosity. So I looked and I'm like, I could have went to Italy <laughs> of just going to Vegas twice. So I, I, why do I keep going back to Vegas? Which is my favorite city in the States, though, by the way. Okay. Uh, so I'm like, okay, let's try this. So now it's a bigger, what do we need to do? I need to pack more supplies. I need to do these things. And we went to Italy and then we took, we went to Paris and uh, well, we went to, it, it was one trip, Italy, Paris, and Rome. I mean, Italy, wow. Paris, and, and London. Wow. Um. So we went there, it was like 10 days. And then once we experienced like international trip together, I was like, oh, we can conquer the world now. We can wow. do anything. All That's right. how it started. Well, and you know, and I shared with you that I live in Costa Rica now. So obviously I'm very fascinated by the whole bit about travel and international travel. And I love that I love that your first trip was like, let's just go 10 days all over. Like, yeah, my first other, other other cruise, I went on a cruise, but like my first international trip, we, we were gone 10 days. Yes, it was like because I was just so excited because it was you were so far. The, how it all it started is I was just going to Rome, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm like, hey, I'm going to Rome. Anybody want to go? And a couple of my friends tagged along. And then somebody was like, hey, you know, Rome is only like a two hour train ride from Paris. What? <laughs> so <laughs> let me throw uh, let me throw an extra three days on the trip and go to Paris. And then somebody was like, you know, after that, okay, now I'm going to Rome and Paris. And then somebody was like, you know, Paris is only an hour train ride from London. What? Okay, let me throw two hours. I didn't know that either. You know, so, and then my friends were like, all right, Flash, that's enough. Like, you can't see everything in one in one trip. Like, I know, right? Because I'm throwing like, okay, now we're going to London. How far is Stonehenge? Let's, uh, <laughs> let's visit um, uh, Leaning Tower of Pisa. Let's uh, Buckingham Palace. I'm trying to see it all. It was like, dude, we can't see everything in one trip. You're like, like- <laughs> You're like, but we can though. So let's just exactly. do this. Exactly. But no, 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 no. Yes, we can. We can. Just don't, no sleep. Just sleep. Just sleep. So how deep is this crew that you're rolling with? I mean, I, I imagine to get um, people, because I've seen a couple of your videos and I would say at le- you're at least with about four people at least. So how deep oh, yeah. is your, how deep is your travel crew? And does everybody oh. have, what, does everybody have a specific role? How does this work? Um, no, it's just, I have. I, I know a lot of people and I have a lot of friends. I'm blessed to be a people person and an outgoing soul. And I just have a character that draws uh, love and attention. And I love that about who I am and how I was raised. And, you know, these people, mostly people are people I grew up with in high school that knew me before my accident. I played football with. So, but uh, people, of course, started uh, migrating towards the other people I met in college that have never seen me walk before. Mm-hmm. They just know the wheelchair flesh, but which is cool and all. But I would say total, like there's no set amount. I travel with different, I don't travel with the same people 
every time because I like traveling so much um, that I, you know, I take five, six trips a year, maybe. And those same people are like, all right, dude, we can't. I'm tired of traveling. So I'm like, okay, well, anybody else want to go? And That's now amazing. I form a whole new group. Yeah, I form a whole new group of travel. But I would say I probably travel somewhere between the same 20 people. It'll be some five of those 20 people. Okay. And yeah, so wants to go. when you started traveling, like at what point was it your 10 day trip? At what point did you realize, oh, accessibility is a thing? And, I don't, and at what point did you realize, was it from the flight? Was it from the hotel? Mm-hmm. Like at what point when you started traveling internationally, did accessibility become kind of a focus for you? Day one. I, obviously. Day, day one. <laughs> Uh, like I said, this 10 day trip, my first time overseas, we land in uh, Rome, uh, eight hour flight. We land, get to the hotel. It was overnight. We get there at like 10 in the morning, uh, 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 Rome time. So I had did my research and I called the hotel. They said we're wheelchair accessible. We have um, access to the lobby. We have all the things you need. I'm like, all right, cool. I get there and immediately you open the double doors and there are a stairway to heaven it's like 25 stairs oh, i'm like okay cool no worries i called they said they had you know they had it under control so the lobby is up the stairs so my homeboy goes to the lobby he's like hey you know we're here want to check in Fletcher cleaves uh where's your you know where's the elevator he's like no no we there's no elevator i'm sorry there's no way <laughs> there's no elevator so their definition is what i had to learn that every country's definition excuse me, uh, accessibility or elevator or wheelchair accessible is not the same as the States. Mm. So have you ever seen the contraption, the commercial where it's an elderly person and they walk to the stairs and they sit on a chair that's attached <laughs> to the rail and the rail like scoots them up the stairs? That's their, that's their definition of an elevator. Ah, uh, okay. So but which is not, it doesn't work for me because number one, I can't walk at all. And number two, I would have to get out of my chair, sit in this deaf contraption chair that <laughs> been used since JFK got killed so like it's super old and um I would have to sit in that chair it would have to scoot me up the rail somebody have to carry my chair up the stairs then I have to get out of that chair and get back in my chair and you know it was just too it was a process it was too much um so that's when I realized okay this is this needs to be addressed or somebody needs to dive down and really see and uh, tell people what accessible means wheelchair accessible that is so mm-hmm. handicap accessible and wheelchair accessible aren't the same thing yeah yeah and and i i, I you posted a couple I, I do follow you on instagram and posted about your recent trip to i won't name the country but i know you had some difficulties there where they thought <laughs> accessible was not it and you had to like scrap a good tr- a chunk of your trip yeah. to go from one hotel to another so exactly like we were only there it was a, a country in the caribbean and we were only there um maybe five four days so we got there day one the hotel was not what they said it was going to be so they shipped us to a hold another hotel with two hours away from our original plan because like i said we had excursions plan around there we had dinner reservations around there so now we're two hours away we don't know any restaurants over here we try to scramble and get new excursions and it was the day one was a disaster but we made the best out of it is there like an advocacy group or is there an organization that that is looking into this or or what's yeah, happening with go ahead. go ahead i was just going to ask is, is there an organization is, is anybody besides you focused on this oh yeah absolutely there are other disabled travelers that are doing 
somewhat the same thing. Uh, other people that have put together, um, I'm not sure I've seen a travel agency that has done this, uh, but there's other independent uh, disabled travelers that are doing something of, along the lines of the same thing. Um, I'm yet to find anyone like myself, though, that does it uh, the way I do it, as well as being adventurous as I do it. I've, I've even gotten emails from other disabled travelers that was like, hey, man, I travel and I've been to 40 countries, but I've never done the things you do. Like, <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing all like, so you're trying to go jet skiing. Yep. Parasail. Yep. Skydiving. Yep. I was like, my mom tell me, son, you know that you can't walk, right? <laughs> like, yep, doesn't matter. I'll do it. Yeah. But I, but I can scuba dive. Yeah. I think one of exactly. the, sort of, I, I am an advanced scuba diver. And so one of the certifications I think I want to take at some point will be to do the adapted scuba. So it just did. I've done that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You've done the adapted scuba? Yeah. I did it in, a, um, in Atlanta, the Atlanta, Georgia Aquarium. I think it's the largest okay. aquarium in the state. I want to dive there so badly in the yeah, big aquarium. And, uh, I'm jealous. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like whale sharks and tiger sharks. And yes. part of the Shepherd Center, we went and it was pretty cool. You never know how big a whale shark is. I mean, they say they say 70 feet, but when it's like right there, they mean 70 feet. Like they mean that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yes, we went we went to Atlanta and we saw that you could dive there. I was like, I want to dive here. This looks amazing. Yeah, I, I feel like you're a, you're secretly a water baby. I feel like I've seen you tossed into waterfalls and oceans and pools everywhere. Is it, did you know that you until you traveled? Did you know that you were meant to be in the water? Uh, yeah. Well, just growing up, just okay. being in the south is hot. Ten months <laughs> out of the year, you know. So we're always swimming in somebody's pool or somebody's lake, something. And we're always just finding something tired to swing off of and do three flips and land in the, you know. So I told. Uh, my friends, if growing up around us, if you couldn't swim, you might as well just sit in the house all summer. Because <laughs> we would we were in somebody's pool at least three times a week in the summer. Like, and then you hang out in the pool all day. Then you start grilling and you know, and then when you start driving, when everybody starts driving in 16, 17, 18, now you go into the big pools and you know, on the other side of meet other kids, meet by their pool, of course, gotta go to the pool where the girls are, of course, you know, you gotta <laughs> hang out around there. Uh, so yeah, I've always knew I loved being in the water. So it was, it was always fun. All right. So do activities drive the location or do you pick the activities after you confirm the destination? Like what drives where you travel? Uh, location for sure. Like okay. I, you know, I look at a map, I probably look at a world map twice a week and I'm like, hmm, what's over here? Indonesia, you know? <laughs> Hmm, what's over here? You know, what's oh, what country is this? You know, I'm like, okay. Then I look, okay, I never like Bali or something, or okay, like Tokyo or whatever I'm looking at on the map. Then I get the googling flights to Japan. Okay, things to do in Japan. Okay, now okay, looks I can do that. Okay, I can do that. Mount Kilimanjaro. Okay, I can do that. Okay. So that's a location, definitely. All right. Have you have you done Machu Picchu? I, I saw that you posted that Machu Picchu is wheelchair accessible oh, now. No. So is that a is that a plan now? That is my my life goal or my ultimate goal is to see all eight wonders of the world. Okay. So okay. Machu Picchu is on my list to accomplish, and I got to see and take a wheelchair nomad picture by them all. So that's my that's my that's my goal. Okay. So you've got um so many different things going on between your full time job. And your wheelchair nomad business and your speaking engagements. So, how are you balancing 
all of these things and, and are these all a part of your career? Does, is one thing going to be eventually part of your career? Will you always be juggling multiple things? I always, I'll probably always be juggling multiple things. Like I can't, um, if I'm, if I'm doing one thing, I just don't feel productive. So like when it comes to focus, I read this quote about focus. So like, for instance, um, I can't just take speaking and just focus on speaking for three weeks. But so focus is not defined as having one dot and staring at it. Focus is having a million dots and knowing which ones to stare at. So with that being said, like I have all these different things, but I know, okay, I need to, I have a million things going on, but I need to know what time and which time is to focus on what activity. And that what keeps me going and keeps me uh, thriving, I think. So I, I do have my hands in a lot of cookie jars, but thankful enough that all I'm, I've been able to juggle them all successfully so far. And so are your parents ever going to travel with you or is this a, I'm doing this on my own? Y'all stay uh, they, home. Yeah, they, they want, they say they will. So one thing about my mom, so for my graduation, I gave my, my college graduation, I gave my parents a gift uh, for a trip to Hawaii because they sacrificed so much for me to be able to go to college. I wasn't driving. They, you know, was waking up at six in the morning, getting me ready for an 8 a.m. class, taking my showers and picking me up on their lunch break. And my mom would take my take me to my dad's job and he would put me in his car on his lunch break. And, then you know, they sacrificed a lot. Right. So uh, I, I gave them a trip to Hawaii and uh, from Memphis to uh, Tennessee to Hawaii, I think it's like a seven, eight hour flight. And my mom couldn't, she can't do it. Like she, <laughs> can't do it she, she said she I, I didn't even go I just them to but just hearing the stories she said I would go to sleep and I would wake up and I would ask my husband or my which my dad uh, where are we still in the air are you still in the air <laughs> and she says she had panic attack so they she wants to go but she says that anything over a five four hour flight she needs to be first class I'm like, understood. Oh, okay. Exactly. Come on. Okay. I'm like, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> she, she needs to be somewhere where she's in a bed with a blindfold, which is, this is what she's saying. So I'm like, okay, cool. But understand that a first class flight to, to Japan is $15,000. Good night. Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, she's like, what? She, you know, she didn't understand that part either. So like, so she's been to Aruba in Jamaica, like a three hour flights to two hours, things of that nature. But I really want us to take a family trip to like Italy or, you know, somewhere in Europe or, you know, Shanghai, China, some, I don't know, somewhere other than clear water and white sand. <laughs> yeah. Someplace with a little history. and Exactly. Like uh -oh. I told my friend, even my friends, like oh, this year, y'all want to go to Jamaica. Okay. Y'all want to go to Barbados. Y'all want to go to Trinidad. Y'all want to go to Mexico. I'm like, okay. After a while, these beaches start to look the same to me, to me. So I'm like, y'all don't want to do something different. Like, y'all don't want to go to Abu Dhabi. Like, y'all want to go to Dubai, ride the world's fastest roller coaster. Like, y'all don't want to go to Japan. Like, y'all don't want to do something else besides go to a beach. Yeah. So that's what we're, that's what we're trying to work on now. Do you, have you seen that? Um, I think it's, it's in the UAE where they've got that. Uh, they did a man-made scuba diving, but it goes down really, really, really deep. I saw that. Yeah. Oh. I don't know if I can do that. Oh, I want to do that. So, <laughs> so I would do it, but like just, I don't know, just being that deep and look, I know I have a mask on, I know I can breathe it. I get it. But seeing how deep I am, I'm like, mm. <laughs> <Not today. laughs> take me up, take me up, take me up. Anytime you can't hold your breath, you got to let your air, your lungs going to explode or something. <laughs> Mm -mm. 
So I don't know if you've noticed just kind of in the social media realm, I'm seeing more Black people traveling. And so are you tapping into those networks and kind of maybe partnering with some of those organizations or are you just kind of doing your own lane you're hanging where you're hanging and whatever happens, happens. No, i would i would love to i would love to be a part of different groups and different uh lanes uh but i just you know reaching out i'm i'm a part of a lot of different black travel groups and people reach out to me and ask advice about traveling with disabilities and black travel but i haven't got any business opportunities yet so i'm um, still waiting on those proposals Hopefully they'll come soon and we'll be able to work together. Yeah. So I, I found that when I was in um, Indonesia that I wasn't in Bali, we went to some of the more obscure places and that because most, most Americans will go to like Bali, they're used to seeing us there, but they weren't used to seeing black people not <laughs> in some of these other areas. And they were so nice, but also very like taking my picture. I know, wanted, so wanted I, to say hi. <laughs> So I, I experienced that in Italy. Um, okay. It's just, they were just staring. Like, first of all, I'm a black man. Then I'm in a wheelchair. It's like a double, like, what the <laughs> is that? You know? Uh, but my homegirl said that she said she went to Russia uh, a couple of years back. And she's probably like Alicia Keys color. Like, she's uh, not even dark skinned. Gotcha. You know? And uh, she was like, the kids were like, are you made of chocolate? <laughs> like, that's, uh, first of all, she's not even dark skinned. You know. But to them, you know, when you and I, it, I, I take for granted, but that we don't live in a homogenous country. So when you live in a, a country where everybody looks like you, even a slight difference is like what? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like if they thought if they asked her Alicia Keys skin tone if she made a chocolate, if they saw me, they, <laughs> what the hell? Like this is this is a black diamond. I don't you know. <laughs> I don't know what this man's made out of. <laughs> I follow a couple of teachers that, that teach abroad in China, and it seems the biggest thing is people want to touch their hair, so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, you know, I know. <laughs> I gotta be, as a black woman, I can ma- imagine how weird it is. Just, can I touch your hair? I mean, no. it, it happens in the States, so it's not like, oh, it's brand new just because I'm in China. But I, I, I would charge people. You know, can, I touch your, <laughs> can I touch your hair? Give me $25, okay? <laughs> All right. Well, overcoming adversity is the strongest message you relay through your speaking engagements, but sometimes people are not able to see past the obstacles they face, that the ones that they have seem so huge that they can't see any way around it. So what advice do you have for people to get past their challenge or what they, you know, everybody, everybody's challenge is different, but how did they get past that one? Everybody, everybody's challenge is different, but like I mentioned earlier, it's not what happens to you that defines you, it's how you respond to it. Uh, life is full of adversity. You know, adversity doesn't say I'll be back later. Adversity doesn't have a specific time that it, it will come, but understanding that what you're going through currently won't be, won't last forever. You know, uh, just you can't cry or spill milk. What happened yesterday happened yesterday and learn how to put it, uh, put it in the past and move forward. And I get that you have to, deal with some other traumas that may have happened or you have to deal with certain adversity longer than others uh, longer than other adversity but understand it won't last forever and it's up to you to you know mold your own future so that's why i tell people like i never saw myself doing the things i'm doing if you would have asked me at 18 years young at my high school graduation you know the question where do you see yourself five years from now i would have you know i'll be playing football somewhere 
uh, running around, jump, you know, just who knows. And but you know, Big G is what I call God. Big G had a different plan for me, so it, it turns out to be uh, the prologue to my future, like the destiny to my future. All right. So my last question: you t you talked about people asking you what you're going to do in the future when you're a kid. So I'm going to put it to you now that you're a little bit older. So if you can see 10 years in the future, what would you like to see in order for you to think, yeah, I made it? Uh, that's a good question to so say. I don't honestly, because I'm so goal driven, uh, it might be a good thing. It might be a bad thing. Uh, I see, I never see myself being complacent. Like, okay, I made it. There's always something I can learn. There's always something I can better myself at. It's always something I haven't done yet. Uh, so, you know, like people say, you know, Fletch, you do, you do, you do it all. You do too much. And I'm like, I don't think I've done enough. Mm. You know, so, uh, but 10 years from now, I would think I would have a family. Hopefully I have a family by then. Uh, so, but we'll see if I don't, I don't, if I do, I do. We're just going to ride it out how it is. Uh, but I want the house on, I wouldn't say the beach. Oh no, just growing up in the South, I'm super family oriented. So I, I want a big house enough where my parents can live in it. You know, we can all stay together in my, I want my house to be the family union house and the hangout house with the pool and the grill. And, and we all going to Fletch house for like, that's what I want my house to be. Love it. Love it. Well, Fletcher, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Where can my four listeners and my baby budding podcast find you? Uh, you got you got more than that. <laughs> um, yeah, you can find me at FletcherCleaves.com or Instagram at uh, Rolling on Faith, R-O-L-L-I-N-O-N-F-A-I-T-H. And any social media platform, uh, people see me on these different platforms and even on TV and some at some point in time, and I'm a real person. So if you reach out to me, I, I do respond. Uh, when I go to speech, yeah, I do respond. I go to speeches and people Instagram me and I'll Instagram back and I was like, oh my God, you responded. I'm like, yeah, I'm a real person. <laughs> so yeah, right. please, please reach out. All right, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, no worries, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Wise and Wine podcast. Don't forget, episodes come out every Tuesday wherever you find podcasts. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. You can also find information about my guests on my Instagram page at Wise and Wine Podcast or send me an email if you have any questions, comments, or concerns at wiseandwine at gmail.com. So I hope that our time today helps you pass the time on your commute, pass the time on the treadmill, or pass the time while you're working on those TPS reports. And hopefully you left this day a little wiser. Have a great day. Bye-bye.